Welcome to Garfield Memorial Church. We are one church in three locations, Pepper Pike, Ohio, South Euclid, Ohio, and Liberia, Africa. Together, we seek to widen the circle through our core values of diversity, safety, authenticity, growth, and forgiveness. To learn more about Garfield Memorial Church, visit our website at garfieldchurch.org. And now, may you be blessed and inspired by our weekly podcast of the message from the 10 a.m. Sunday morning Mosaic worship service. Garfield Memorial Church, widening the circle. Amen. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, I'm Chip Freed. I get the privilege of being the lead teaching pastor at our one church in three locations. Um, man, it's just wonderful to, to know the way that uh, what you do here, uh, taking the risk with us to walk, work, and worship together as one, to be the people that the world said can't get together and probably would never be together except that God so loved the world. Come on, somebody. And came himself into our world, and that's our ultimate allegiance. So we're so excited about that. Thankful for some of those leaders sharing the impact we're making beyond these walls. And there was a news in our, our particular denomination this past week, a little article that said, you know, one of the things we know is Christmas is the time of year that people who don't go to church or don't know Christ or haven't been to church in a long time are most open to going if someone would invite them. And our denomination news service said, here's a few churches that if you don't go to church, we'd recommend you going to. And we were the only one east of the Mississippi that was lifted up. And that's because of you guys, because of the way you receive. And I love that. And I I just got to take a moment of privilege. How about this stage, man? Do you hear the music that comes off this stage at both of our campuses and at our nine o'clock service? They're blowing the roof off. I, I mean, like, if you can't preach here, they should take your license away. Like, my gosh. And, you know, I want to give a shout-out. Britton Roberts is in the back there, just on our guitar, just kind of, un, un, you know, not pretentious and that. Britton's probably one of the greatest singer-songwriters in Cleveland, if you don't know that. And he just published a lullaby that he wrote for his first newborn called Don't Worry About the Weather. You've got to get this. It's B-R-I-T-T-O-N, Britton Roberts. Don't Worry About the Weather. Like, he wrote it to his son, uh, his newborn son. I sent it to my niece, who some of you prayed for, you know, almost lost her life to an eating disorder. They told her she'd never have kids. She's bringing her, my two-year-old great-nephew to my house for Christmas. And I sent that song to her, and she said, uh, Uncle Chip, this song is changing my life. I mean, it's amazing. I just want to give God thanks for the people that helped make this happen. I got to give a big shout-out. Sorry, I'm going to do my public PSAs. But one of my buddies, he's in the back, He's been our sound tech, Brandon Goldstein. Um, Brandon, Brandon calls himself a Methodist Jew. Um, I never really understood that. He said the Jehovah Witnesses knocked on his door and he says, hi, I'm a Methodist Jew. I mean, like, dude, who makes this stuff up? He's played Earth, Wind, and Fire for me. He's got me dancing. He's embarrassed my children. He's been with us a long time. He takes care of me. Next Sunday is going to be his last Sunday for every week. He's going to come in the rotation. He's got a family business now that he's a big part of. Would you just stand and thank Brandon for all the work he does for us? Thank you, bro. Thank you. We love you. There's not many people I let, like, put wires down my back and hook me up and but I'm going to miss you, bro. Uh, but you'll be around. But God bless you. Thanks for what you do. Okay, enough of slobbering all over ourselves. 
Um, we're in a teaching series. We've been leaning up on John's gospel, the first chapter. Like, if you don't know the first chapter of John after hearing it preached five times. And welcome to service number eight, by the way. We're on a nine-service countdown over the next 48 hours. Do you realize? Nine times in the next 48 hours, you guys are proclaiming Christ is born. I think that's amazing. Now, I used to leap tall buildings with a single bound, but I'm, I, I got, I, I'm, I'm over the hill now, so I'm going to do six of the nine. Pastor Scott's going to do three, so I can now leap two-thirds of a tall building in a single round. Um, I'll be preaching here today, all services, and 5.37 and 8, 8.30 here at Pepper Pike. Scott will be preaching 6.30 at South Euclid and 11 o'clock here on Christmas Eve. Um, and so we're, we've been leaning up now. I don't know how many services. When you multiply that, it's probably 30 services just on the first chapter of John. John's telling of the Christmas story. I've said Matthew and Luke tell us what happened on Christmas. John tells us why. And, and what John's message is, I've summarized it in, where there's night, there's light. We know we live in a dark world. I'm going to talk about that more on Christmas Eve. But John says, there is still a true light that is shining in darkness. And darkness can never put it out. And today I want to talk about the light that brings new birth. We started this series off uh, with Isaiah, that he proclaimed that a light was coming way back 600 years before the birth of Christ. And I talked about, you know, a king is coming. And Pastor Steve, who preaches way better than me, uh, was up here the next week, and he talked about that this light has come, the true light. Steve, I haven't forgotten that. That enlightens everyone. Like, now we can see ourselves and see others as who we really are which is pretty scary. That's why we don't get on scales, right? But, but that now we can see who we really are, and some of us flee to the darkness because that's a little scary. We like people to th- see us as we proclaim ourselves to be on social media with makeup, with new shirts. My wife just bought me this one. I'm wearing one of my <laughs> Christmas shirts, and I'm proud of it. Um, you know, but to see ourselves as who we really are it's a frightening thing, bro. And that's what you were saying. And I understand that. Um, then last week I talked about that Jesus comes to bring us something, to bring us gifts, right? The wise men came to bring gold and frankincense and myrrh. But Jesus came to bring us comfort in our suffering. He came to bring us a whole new passion to serve others. And he came to bring us a hope that doesn't disappoint. Now today what I want to say is to access those gifts And to be able to look in the mirror and affect ourselves is we have to receive the real why of what Jesus came to bring. And the reason he came, the word was in the beginning, the word was with God, the word was God, came was to bring us new life. That's that's Christmas. He came to bring us new life. John hurries to tell us this. Because while he gives this theological statement in John chapter 1 about why he came, it's not long until John, you know, John chapter 2, he kind of introduces himself to the world. And then John chapter 3, he announces to a religious leader like, like, our, like me or whoever, like Nicodemus in John chapter 3, and gives us the most extensive dialogue on being born again. That Jesus came that we might have new birth. In fact, we're going to sing this at all our services on Christmas Eve, a little different at Mosaic, a little traditional at Heritage, but one of the great hymns of the church written by a Methodist preacher and teacher, Charles Wesley, Heart the Herald Angels Sing, 
How many of you know we sing lines in hymns sometimes and we don't listen to them? Here's a line in Hark the Herald Angels Sing. It says, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give us, right? That's why I came, to give us new life. And I want to quickly say, this new life that Christmas brings, it's essential, it's radical, and it's simple but difficult, right? Essential, it's radical, it's simple but difficult. So the first one is, the new life, the new birth that Christmas brings is essential, if you heard uh, the scripture, I'm sorry, I didn't even read it. I'm so excited up here. Let's go back to the scripture. Um, John said he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. And here's the human problem. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Didn't get on the scale, didn't look in the mirror, right? Yet, circle that. To all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right. Some says gave power, but I like this translation. It's more accurate to the Greek. He gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. New birth is essential. Here's why. The problem was that the world did not receive him. He came to his own. Who's his own? us, right? He came to us, and we didn't recognize him. We didn't receive him. Yet, to those who did receive him, he gave the right to be children of God. Do you notice there's no gray area? It's either this or that, nothing in between. It's not like we didn't receive him, or we did receive him, or we were kind of lukewarm. Remember Revelation, what Jesus says about being lukewarm? Like, I wish you were cold or hot. It's either this or it's that. Either we recognize him, we receive him, or we don't. Human problem, we don't recognize him yet. I love that word. You know why? Uh, I had the privilege in, in the 1990s to meet a woman named Bishop Leotine Kelly. She was the first African-American woman to ever be a uh, bishop in the United Methodist Church. And uh, her predecessor's here today. Now her ancestor, my bishop, my boss is here. I just spied her. I'm scared to death now. Um, uh, bishop, our, our bishop is here, Tracy Malone. You can give it up for her after. But I don't, I don't know why she came except uh, Chip's preaching on Christmas. i got to check this. No. Um, but Leotine Kelly is the first African-American woman bishop in the history of the Methodist Church. And you know when you get sages along the way, do you ever realize that like, there's some things they say, like you don't remember everything, but the sentence just burns in your head? And she told me one time, she said, Chip, whenever there's a but or a yet or a nevertheless in the Bible, circle it. Because God's going to say something amazing after it. Come on, somebody. I want you to look. Go, you might have to go back to King James for the neverthelesses, but, but Google them, right? Buts, yets, neverthelesses. Ephesians 2, what? We are bound up in our fleshly desires. We're, we're orchestrated by them. They lead us astray. But God, who is rich in mercy, in that he has loved us, has made us alive with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Do you hear the problem? And then the but, 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 but. How about Romans 8? Paul says, all day long we are dying. We're, we're in the land of death. We're like sheep to be slaughtered. Nevertheless, we are more than conquerors through him who has loved us. And here, we rejected God. We didn't recognize God. Yet, 
to those who received him. You ought to shout on that, somebody. I mean, I'm getting a little excited up here. Don't leave me alone. Yet, those who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become sons and daughters of God. It's essential, right? The angel said, unto you is born this day in the city a Savior for all the people, not some. We all need this. It's not some of us. You know, that's a problem with being born again. If you're my age or older, you're swimming with anchors when you hear born again. My kids don't have this problem, but I do. Because when the born again movement started, like all of us intellectual people, we weren't that. Because it meant to be emotional. Right? The New Testament never says you have to be emotional. I'm a yellow. We did the temperament study. I don't say anything that I'm not emotional about. But Pastor Terry's a blue. She's like, Chip, get off the ceiling. Chill. Let's think a little bit, right? God doesn't have types. And some people think to be born again is to kind of be emotional or it's kind of to be needy, right? Some people say, like, I can't, they couldn't manage their life, so they had to become born again. And, and you know what? That is so arrogant. It's none of those things. You know why? Look at Nicodemus. Look at the person Jesus said you have to be born again. Who was Nicodemus? Pharisee? Member of the Sanhedrin? I know that doesn't mean a lot to you, but it was like the religious supreme court. It was the board of elders of the board of elders. Like he was, he was more moral than anybody, more religious than anybody in this room. He was wealthy beyond all measure. He was educated. At, he had PhDs up the yin-yang. And he was humble. How many of you know religious people aren't always humble? But he was humble. He went to Jesus, read John 3, and he said, we've been hearing such good things about you. Jesus didn't go to the right schools. He didn't go to the accredited places. But Nicodemus doesn't care. He calls him rabbi. He is educated and humble. He's everything all of us arrogant people say, born-again people are not. And Jesus looked at him, and what did he say? Nicodemus, I've been hearing great things about you too. No! He says, you must be born again. You, right? You must be born again. He says it to him. To all of us need this new birth. It is essential. He's basically saying nothing that you've done in life counts. You've got to start over with me. That's what Christmas means. And the good news is you can. So for those of us who think we're the right pedigree and we went to all the right schools, you must be born again. And to those of us who think we're messed up and we've screwed up and we can't make it and we're not the right pedigree, you can be born again. That's what Christmas says. All right, let me hurry on. I'm going to preach a long time. The second thing is, what are you laughing at me, honey? The second thing is, the new birth that Christmas brings is radical. It brings radical new life and it brings radical new identity right? What do I mean by radical new life? It brings new life. It brings organic life. There's two kind of growth. Put that first Peter up there. Peter learned, even though he had all the right things, he said, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, so by it you may grow into salvation. That's Peter. Like, that's like the head of the church, saying he's become an infant. He's growing up. How many of you know we can grow mechanically or we can grow organically. Mechanical growth is if you have a cart and you put bricks on it, that cart will grow, right? Brick upon brick upon brick. But that's mechanical growth, right? It's not like a seed in the ground 
with all this amazing stuff that grows organically. Here, we sometimes, 21st century Western Europeans, think that growth is mechanical. That's why at eulogies, what do you hear? Resumes. They did this and this and this and this, and that and that and that and that. Like I was just preaching in, in uh, St. Louis the other week, and I was on, you know, the, we want to introduce you to Pastor Chip Freed, and he's done this and this and this. and That's just a resume. That's mechanical growth. There's nothing wrong with it. Glad you did it. But are you, the Bible says, are you growing in kindness? Are you growing in gentleness? Are you growing in patience? Are you growing in love? Are you growing in forgiveness? Are you growing in acceptance of other people? See, you can have more degrees than a thermometer. And not grow in any of those things. Right? And that's what Jesus is saying. The new birth I've come to bring you is radical. It's going to be organic. It's going to, it's going to bring stuff out of you. It's going to change you. You're going to become less judgmental. And you're going to become more open. You're going to love people that before you wouldn't even have hung out with. Because you're growing in this new life. You're born again. There's a difference between being born again and being religious. Hello. And the second thing is you'll grow with a whole new identity, right? I love it when he says he gave the right for them to become children of God. Like, weren't we all children of God? Yeah, kind of. In Acts 17, Paul's preaching to the Athenians, and he says we are his offspring, right? Created by God. That's why they said Henry Ford was the, the father of the Model T, right? We were created by God, but we're still trying to be our own Savior and Lord, we're still trying to run our, manage our own lives. We're rejecting the gifts of the Father, right? So yeah, we're his offspring. But when yet we receive him, we get the right. He gives us the right. That's a legal term. Let me tell you, I, I know I'm one of God's problem children because God's put great people in my life and he's taught me so much. And God gave me the honor that I don't deserve of being an adoptive parent. Some of you know my oldest daughter, Tiana, is adopted. Uh, my, my two younger boys are my you know, biological children. Tiana and I say if they ever put us on Maury Povich, we'd pass that DNA test, baby. <laughs> but, you know, but I always tell Tiana, you're my favorite child. You're the only one I chose. <laughs> and the only one that chose me. And, and God showed me something in this child. This, because you know, Romans 8, how many of you know, says we've been adopted, right? See, yeah, we're all his offspring, but when we do the yet we believe and receive, we're adopted into, we get full rights. Tiana, my child, now all of my inheritance, all of my stuff, all of the freed name was transferred unto her. And I'll never forget going into that courtroom. I was in Tiana's life when she was four and she was seven when we finally got the adoption to go through. And I was so nervous. I was sweating. I was more nervous than Sorry, honey, when she walked down the aisle, and I was pretty nervous there. I was like, this child, is she going to accept me to be her dad? Like, she called me dad, but like, are we going to make this thing for real? And the judge is interviewing her and talking to her, and she's smiling, she's proclaiming. And he said, do you want that man to be your father? She said, yeah, I do. He said, well, then come up on my lap. And she, he said, take this gavel, and if you knock it on my desk, that is your dad. And she grabbed that gavel with both hands. 
and a big smile on her face, she went. And I want to tell you, I cried like I've never cried in my life. And that bond has been like this. And I, I get to have her for what, like 60, 70 years as an earthly father? What does God feel like in heaven when one of his kids who are his offspring said, you know what, I want him to be my dad. I want my father in eternity. I want to be with him three billion years for now. And when we take that and say, yes, suddenly we are, thank you, suddenly it's radical. We have new identity. All of God's inheritance comes to us for eternity. Everything in the universe, the new heaven, the new earth becomes ours. He gives it to us. And the joy in his heart has been made complete. Let me close with this. The new life is essential. It's radical. And here it is. It's simple, but it's hard. How do we receive it? How do we get this right? It simply says, believe and receive. And those are the same verbs, really. It's not something different. Just believe it and receive it. Well, wait a minute. Don't I have to earn it? Believe it. If you believe in your heart that God, Jesus raised from the dead and confess with your lips, you're saved. Like, it seems too easy, right? In fact, um, you know, I call it every time in that book of Acts, they say, what must we do to be saved? You know what they say? Repent. And repent's a scary word, right? Repent, all it is, it literally means in the Greek to turn. It means turning away from ourselves, turning toward God. Righteousness is not following the Ten Commandments. Righteousness in the Greek literally means being in right alignment. You ever driven with your car out of alignment? It's always pulling, right? So when we repent, we go to the dealership, they change our tires, they get us back in right alignment. That's really the best illustration I can give you to turn back to your heavenly father, receive it, believe it, and live in that right alignment with God. That's, that's all it is. Do you know how hard that is for us in the 21st century? Because the 21st century says to you, don't give up control to anything. You are the master of your fate. You are the captain of your soul. Sounds good. Doesn't work. We're not competent enough to manage our own lives. That's what the Bible says. So repent and believe. That's what they say in the book of Acts. Repent and believe. Repent and believe. What must I do to accept to be saved? Repent and believe. I call it this. Repent and rest. Turn to God and chill. Do you know what that means? Here's the definition that for me. Stop believing in other names or your own name and rest in what he has done for you. That's Christmas. Repent and rest. See, we don't rest. <clears throat> we have a heck of a time doing that, right? We, we say like, oh, I want to repent, um, but, but we don't rest in it. We think somehow we're helping to orchestrate the new birth. How many of you had kids, right? Even the adoption ward, uh, childbirth. How many of you know your kid had nothing to do with their own birth? <clears throat> like I was in the adoption, I was in that courtroom, I was in the delivery room. Like I had a little bit to do with it, not much. But like my wife had a whole lot to do with it. And the child had nothing to do with it. They didn't choose being born. Right? Some people say to me, I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. You know what I say? Do you have a navel? Do you have a belly button? Then you ain't self-made, bro. <laughs> right? 
<coughs> we have nothing to do with it. And we have nothing to do with our new birth. It's receive, repent, receive, and believe. I threw my water away. Now I really need it. Hold on. <laughs> oh, please. <clears throat> I'll be back. I'm back. Um, we have nothing to do with it, right? And that's why Jesus, uh, we'll go to the very last slide. <clears throat> Jesus says in John 16, when he's talking about his death to his disciples, he said, a woman giving birth to a child has great pain because her hour has come. In John, hour was always referring to Jesus' death on the cross. But, here it is, when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. What's Jesus saying? I'm going to the cross. I'm going to go through pain. I'm going to go through anguish. There's nothing you can do to earn your salvation. I'm going to do it. But boy, am I going to have joy when I see new birth. Who's he talking about? Us, right? They asked Martin Luther one time, what, what do you have to do to be saved? And Luther said, nothing. Think about that. And there's a preacher I really respect who one time said to repent and become a Christian, all you need is nothing, but most people don't have it. Right? It's hard for us to do nothing. That's why when you say to God, oh, Jesus, forgive me for my sins, and then I will. See, you're still bringing something. You're still thinking you're in charge. It's just Abba, Father, love me for what Jesus has done. We used to sing an old hymn in the church, Rock of Ages. Everybody remember that one? Rock of Ages, cleft for me, Right? And we don't pay attention to the words. You know what one of the words in that hymn is? Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress. Helpless look to thee for grace. Vile I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. That's somebody that knows I have nothing to do with this. But God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He gave the treasures of heaven. He opened the vault and poured out into the world so that we might be saved. That's what we live. That's Christmas. What can we do about it? Nothing. But sing with the angels. For unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given, not earned. And peace will be upon the world. And the government, oh, that's such good news, will be on his shoulders. And he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Daddy, Prince of Peace. And we have nothing to do with it. But receive, repent, and rest. How many of you want to rest this Christmas? Hey, hey, I know. I got to preach five times Christmas Eve, and then I got to cook for 20 people. I want to rest. <laughs> but we're so busy. Sometimes we don't take that opportunity. Let me close with this story I read from the Chicago Tribune, our bishop's from Chicago. Um, and her husband's a Chicago sports fan. I'm going to try to forgive him. Um, but I read this in the Chicago Tribune a few years ago. Um, and it was on one of those Christmases when Christmas fell on a Sunday. We've had that happen a couple times. And there was a woman named Su Zhu Yuan. She was an immigrant from China. And the Chicago Tribune, God love them, on the front page, the day after Christmas, posted a story, and here was the headline. At Christmas, a rebirth. 
And Su Zhu Zhan, these are her words, thought Americans celebrated Christmas as part of their patriotic duty. We wonder why the church is in trouble in America, <laughs> right? She said relatives gave gifts, neighbors prepared feasts, storefronts in Chinatown advertised sales, but watch this. But in eight years living in the United States, no one told her the biblical story of Christmas. I hope you share the story this year. I hope you invite. But she was in trouble. Her husband was having trouble being immigrated. She was a single mom with a two-year-old girl. And she said by her mission, she was dealing with headaches, with insomnia, with depression. And she went to a counselor at uh, Chinese Christian Union Church, the only Christian church in Chinatown. And somebody shared with her the gospel. And she accepted Christ. And guess what? On Christmas Sunday, she was baptized. And she said this. She said, I now have peace in my heart and joy, and I'm giving all of my heavy burdens to Jesus. And for the first time in many years, I can sleep. And when she came up out of the waters, look at what she said. She said, today is a holiday. Today is Christmas. Way to go, Suju. You understand that what Christmas is, is new birth, is new life. And I hope you'll receive it. I hope you'll take it into your heart. Let, let's stand together as we get ready to close. Um, we're going to sing together. We're not, the band's not going to play us out today. Uh, the Bracey family's coming on stage, and they're bringing their children with them. Let a little child lead us. I love it. And we're going we're gonna to sing together um, the miracle of Christmas. But some of you are here today, and um, maybe you've never really taken that step to receive. Maybe you've been working so hard, right? I got to tell you, Pastor Steve's here, Pastor Terry's here, our bishop's here, I'm here, Pastor Lori's here. We'll linger around here. If you have never really said, you know what? I don't know if I've repented. I've been running my own life. I don't know if I've received the gift of new life. Would you come down and pray with us? We'd love to pray with you. And when we do that, that will be a Merry Christmas. Amen? Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, come. Stir in us new life. Stir in us an understanding that this is what you came for. To be born in us today. And when we receive it, when we put that gavel down on the desk, the joy that fills your heart. We sing joy to the world for you have come, but you sing eternal joy when we come. God, help us to come back to you or to you for the first time this Christmas. That will be the greatest gift we can ever give. And you will receive it, and we can rest. This is the peace we've been looking for. This is our shalom. Don't pass it by. Unwrap it. Receive it. And declare, thank you, Jesus, for bringing new life. It's in your name that we pray. Let all God's people say,